Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 56 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Hector! How's it going this week, Hector? If you've ever made French press coffee and the soggy grounds that are at the bottom of a French press and you forget to clean it out, that's how I feel. That's oddly specific, and... We learn something new every day, don't we? And that's so why clean we your have French a comic press. podcast. Yeah, clean your French press and, and don't feel that way. But hey, we've got lots of comics to talk about, so strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring necks on. It's good to be back. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a great show for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our must-pull recommendations for the past two weeks or so. We're still kind of catching up from the break. Our fave new number ones and so much more. This is The Pull List Podcast. News was weird over the last few weeks, and it's going to feel weird, I suppose, to our audience because we kind of have, like, a topic to talk about. <laughs> and that's because there's been some like major shifts in the comic industry in the last two weeks that actually started back in June if people were really paying attention. But before we get into all this kind of shuffle of creative talent, because that's what I'm going to focus on for a lot of this, there's one thing that kind of stuck out in the middle because I have some friends that were personally impacted by it. So I'm like kind of I feel slightly obligated to talk about it because it's weird. But um, Hector, I kind of told you what we were talking over the last few weeks and asked that if you see a bundle of Marvel comics in a Walmart, y'all should pick that stuff up because a bunch of people started opening up these random packs because what's happened is over decades. There used to be wholesalers that would buy up a bunch of excess printed material, bundle them up, sell them super cheap to Walmart to try to get some of the money back on basically books that sat around in a warehouse, collected dust, and were worthless. And depending on contracts and distribution contracts over the years, this has been frowned upon. <laughs> it's been highly frowned upon, to be fair. In some places, it's actually against the contract, but there's been creative maneuvering on how that works out because usually these comics are the excess. They're the overprint. Um, and overprint is supposed to be destroyed. It, overprint is typically what uh, a diamond or a distributor is going to keep on hand for when comic book stores get damages. So unless it's an it's something that's sold out like point blank, Usually an overprint is done to cover damages and shipping and other things so that books can exist, which means it's literally pulp. It's literally worthless. And some companies were trying to figure out, well, how can I get around the contracts of distribution to get paid? And that's been back and forth for years. But what's happened is apparently what was showing up in these packs were variants and not just regular B covers like non-ratio variants, high-ratio variants. It's been reported that some people have located some 1 in 500s, some 1 in 1,000s, store exclusives, um, convention exclusives, and every single one of those exclusives is very much under contract to the stores, organizations, etc. that actually paid for those to exist. Because if you don't know, it's not just, hey, we contacted our favorite artist to do this cover 
a comic book store or an organization has to pay usually a fee and then buy a certain number of those comics uh, to meet a threshold. And that number can be anywhere from $5,000 to fifteen dollars to $20,000 depending on the rarity of the variant, what type of book it's going on, a major one, and if there's ratios associated. So needlessly put, a lot of people are really upset that their exclusive stuff showed up randomly in a bulk bin somewhere. And so aptly named now, um, Bleeding Cool has dubbed it the variant gate because you put the word gate after any type of major, you know, conspiracy or whatever. That's how this works, right? That's how we do it. If this was DC, it would be the variant crisis, but go on. Right. (laughs) It'd be variant crisis. Um, So that's basically the long and short of that. And that is still playing out because technically the bundlers, as they've been called in the past, they're not really at fault for buying stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. The contract violation occurs on the distribution side. And with Marvel recently making their changes to go outside of Diamond, but Diamond still being a wholesaler of some of their product, it is being rumored slash assumed that Diamond's like, well, forget y'all. And they kind of just let some of that product into the wild. The other theory is like everything else going on in America right now, that they're just so shorthanded that when the bundling orders came through, people just threw stuff in the bins and didn't validate any of the bins they were pulling against contracts, et cetera. Either way, it's a bad look because now there's a trust issue for a lot of the people that pay for variants to be made, um, especially exclusives, because now they're, I mean, those books usually can be sold for far more than cover price. Um, and now they've been put into people's hands af- well after they were originally released, which means some of those books are ultra rare and now worth thousands of dollars on the eBay market. And they just showed up in, you know, like a $5 bundle at, at Walmart. So that's why I say, you know, <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek, if you want to play the lottery, pick up some bundles. Um, but unfortunately, it's kind of created this really awkward conversation in the space around paying for exclusives. and. Think about it from the retailer side for just a moment is two, three years ago now, I'm I'm getting lost because of COVID. That year just feels like it evaporated time. Um, DC made the promise around the Batman Catwoman wedding of buy these cool variants. Everyone's going to love them because and then everyone assumed that a wedding was going to happen that didn't. So we all made cool wedding variants and then nobody cared after they read the book. Um And that was another thing of paying thousands of dollars for the right to basically have something that was kind of misleading. So now DC and Marvel have kind of had a major significant variant snafu with exclusives lately. And a lot of retailers just sit in the middle and go, please stop. (laughs) So, yeah. um, I know that was – it's kind of deep cut stuff for the industry industry, but this is the kind of stuff that makes some local shops rise and fall, right? Because a five to $10,000 investment for a cover is the, hopefully I'm going to recover that money and then some, and then to see them just kind of show up in literally big box competitors at less than the value that they would even sell them for is why a lot of folks are really upset. So yeah, I, I don't know if you got any thoughts on that one, Hector, but I wanted folks to kind of know what's going on if they see people or hear some of their owners 
kind of um, grumbling. That's one of the things going on out there. I don't have anything specific to say for it, just because, like, you know, the reality is, though, in this breath, the same shops could also go pick these up, too. <laughs> right, but the stuff isn't legally supposed to even be available to anyone else. Yeah. that That's the problem. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to find a loophole that uh, validates all of this. That. That's unfortunately my guess as well, because every time this has come up in the past, that's typically been what happens. Is the, oh, but you could do this, this, and this, or that corporation isn't technically X, Y, and Z, but with with exclusives, things do get kind of weird. Because um, technically the shop is supposed to be the one that says, they have they end up reselling internally to other retailers, not the distributor. You can't just go and pull exclusives. Um, so, yeah. The joys of comic book retail. Um, but for the rest of the news, we get to talk about a little something called Substack. And how many people at the same time just went, what, what's a Substack? So, like a meeple or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. So, um Let's start with what is Substack, and then we'll get into why this is interesting. So Substack is a paid subscription service for digital newsletters. Confused yet or still still with me? So it's like a um, kind of like an OnlyFans for digital content print-wise? Sort of, kind of, not really. Uh, I'd say it's almost more analogous to Patreon, except that it... It's supposed to just be a writing medium slash visual. Okay, Patreon medium. was my other thing to go with there. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, and I mean maybe OnlyFans, but it it they wanted to be a very specific curated space for writers, creators. In you pay X dollars a month for basically a monthly quote unquote newsletter because that was their format. That's where they started. Is basically you write cool stuff and people want to pay you for cool stuff. 100% creator-controlled type environment. Okay, that's Substack. Got it? Good. Back in June, they started this process of saying, you know what? This functionality might actually be really good for comic books. And they hired Nick Spencer to kind of front that. So Nick Spencer, Amazing Spider-Man, all that good stuff. And so he started a thing and then started recruiting friends. Previous to all this, they had started kind of a pro network of we'll basically pay creators to come to us to use their platform. So there is a double sided, not just make money personally, but they're incentivizing certain markets that they want to have. And comics is where they went all in. All right. Prepare yourself. Because what happened from June to today is Nick pretty much called up all of his buddies. Um, and they're like, cool, we're in. So the news feeds for the last week to two weeks have been Jonathan Hickman creates three worlds, three moons at Substack. Scotty Young is taking, I hate fairyland, uh, to Substack. Uh, Tinian is leaving DC in favor of Substack. His final Batman books will be the fear state, um, event. And also and the Joker, but it joke, I hit. The yes. Joker book goes to 14. 
yeah, some of that I believe he is complete. He is finishing before um, the end of some of the pieces. Like, it's kind of weird, but Tinian seems to be the one that is the most upset <laughs> at something. Um, because his f- one of his first projects at Substack is the secret history of DC and 5G. Like, he's straight up said he's going to say what Didio was planning to do and how that didn't happen and why what he wrote isn't what he truly wanted to write. So he clearly appears to have a bit of a chip on his shoulder with whatever went down at DC. Um, Scott Snyder has been listed as going to Substack, and he's not just producing content. He's also offering a writing comics class through Substack. So he's kind of like trying to use it as like a masterclass-like platform. Um, to teach people how to create. I just read this morning that um, Chip Sadarsky is on the list to bring an independent project that the list is nothing short of 10 to 15 significant creators at the moment that are just all like, so like I actually truly own the thing. I literally can create a Substack per thing. So basically, like I said, that monthly periodical that digitally gets sent to someone and charge whatever I want for it, and then I get all of the money, and I don't have to worry about editors and everyone else, and that seems to be what's going on. Like I said, some folks are just like, cool, um, this seems like the better deal, so we're going. Others, they are definitely adjacent projects to their big two things, though it is rumored in the case of Hickman as well that he probably will stop writing X-Books, but that's a rumor at the moment. Um, it's not been confirmed by him, but because of how things were handled internally at Marvel over the X series while Hickman was writing and the Batman series and Future State not becoming 5G and Tinian, that there's at least some people that are like, this seems like a good excuse to go do something else. So it's really interesting. Um, it's something that we're going to keep an eye on because and I've been talking with some folks about this, is historically digital still makes up the smallest segment of comics readership. Um, By the numbers, it's typically hovered between 10 and 15% of total readership for the last couple of years, Um, with a very slight increase during COVID for obvious reasons. Um, But it's never really broken beyond that part of the segment. So, And there's, of course, the retailers sitting there going, well, cool, some of our favorite writers and creators are going to do a thing that we will never get a piece of. And so it's a catch-22, right? Because for a lot of us, the retail experience and community of comics is so important, but a platform that also allows creators to actually make what they are worth is also something that has not been happening in comics, that a creator actually getting the full value of something they create is unheard of. Um, so there's technically lots of good occurring in this kind of shakeup. And for me, I guess, and I'll be curious on your take on it, Hector, is I I feel like the slight tinges of image here in that creators are like, yeah, uh, damn the man, save the empire. Um, they're getting to create their own stuff and have self-control, which was the concept of image back in the day for indie projects. 
Um, just this is this isn't even a bunch of them grouping together. It's someone outside of the core industry that provided them a platform. The reality is like image has just become a normal company at this point. It's not, you know, free reign and free speech for creators anymore. Um, Agreed. But honestly, just this is this is what people are seeing that. And honestly, this feels like a post COVID scenario of the fact that you saw you've seen so many people over this time period turn to uh, trying to create their own content and put it out there and get it and seeing people with degrees make more money through uh, online subscription services um, and people that used to work nine to bajillion hour jobs literally you know whether the content be appropriate or you know worthwhile like people are selling their content and making better lives out of it um Mm-hmm. There was no way that that climate was not going to transfer over to comics at some point. It's true. And I, I just think it's interesting because it's part of the experiment that a lot of people tried Patreon. And for whatever reason, it's worked in some cases. It hasn't worked in others. So I'm kind of curious to see out if the Substack model is more streamlined somehow or – Actually, I mean, part of it is it provides the platform to distribute digital material, which Patreon is literally the how do I take your money and tell you about a thing, and then it's still on you to figure out how to get stuff to people. Yeah, so Patreon doesn't distribute well. They just right. They're the they're the parking lot. You have the shady deal in. Right. <laughs> That's not right. But yeah, it's just it fascinated me that while I was doing research for. For this episode, every single article was Substack, Substack, Substack on like every comic book industry site. And I'm like, okay, something just happened (laughs) Um, because you usually don't see that. Um, And then it was just different creators doing different things. And some of them have multiple projects, by the way. Um, And that part's a little confusing because I – Playing with Substack a little, I didn't see the ability to search by, like, creator. Like, you have to know the name of the project or their studio or whatever kind of thing. Um, But I'm sure all of that's going to come together because they've got people now in-house that care about its success because it's how they're going to get paid. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But it could be the beginning of the digital revolution that Marvel and DC tried so hard to start years ago. They've put tons of money into and then both almost backed off because they just never broke that 10% readership um and even comicsology has done well in the space as an independent owned by amazon but now seeing folks kind of make that step into it's a self publishing methodology i'm hoping it means that we get more cool content more frequently and i'm not against that i'm just I am curious what impact it will have on the greater industry as things constantly are moving around. Um, But put this story next to the story we led with, with distribution houses constantly having issues with either getting stuff to stores or basically not being able to manage the content they have, that the creators and the readership are the ones that suffer, that this seems to remove both of those problems. 
um, for creators. And I definitely am an advocate for creators getting their due. So I guess it means I'm going to have to find, I'm going to have to do the thing I don't like doing and find a way to love digital. Well, what the, this really comes full circle when Substack moves into print as well. Yes, and there are rumors that because all of the creators maintain all of their rights and everything to the stuff they produce through Substack, it means they absolutely can find a way at some point to self-publish. And that's the part, that's the evolution I'm interested in because then that ties all the retail and the community back together. So it's super interesting to see what's going on and keep an eye on because they're literally doing something that's pretty... Self-publishing has always been a thing. We wouldn't have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles without self-publishing and lots of other types of really neat stuff. But this really does feel like the modern edge of something that could be good. Well, dude, you know what it is. It's the fact that we broke away from cable to have Mm. streaming services. And now you have to have so many streaming services to get content that you're basically just paying for cable. Right. And... This is what's going to happen digitally with comics if it just goes down this road. Eventually, you're going to end up having to buy all these subscriptions, which would have, you know, been able just to keep a comic shop going. It, it'll be interesting to track. So um, stay tuned. We're going to keep an eye on it and we're going to give you updates as we see the stuff going on. But uh, that's what you need to know. That's our bi weekly look at the industry and delivering Hold on. You I'm all a, of the inside. I'm going to give some oh, news got for the, Ooh. for the, not is it, is it br- industry level nerds? Um, is it breaking? Yeah, moderately. No, um, <laughs> see, we're breaking into our regularly scheduled program. Just, just some announcements. I don't even know if it's qualifying as news, but just throw it out there. Oh. If you're not aware, Titan season three started on HBO Max. Um, mm-hmm. the first three episodes are out, and it's correct me if I'm wrong. This is our first real live version of Jason Todd as Red Hood. This is in the pr- trailers and the promos. It's not like right. spoiler stuff. Um, but womp womp. this is our first live version of Jason Todd as Red Hood, I believe. And now we know why Hector is excited. Well, eh. Like one of the biggest complaints <laughs> is he's too short and he's young. He is kind of short. And because um, we have a fr- friend that's a cosplayer named Isaiah that uh, um, Lunchbox who cosplays as Jason Todd and he's a tall menacing thing. And he was posting shots of his cosplay next to the actual (laughs) production stuff. And it's like, um, I'm a better red hood, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) like he's pretty salty, but, uh, the first three episodes are out and it does not pick up slow. Like it goes pretty quick. Um, you get within a few minutes of episode two, you get the classic opening scene that's in the comics and the animated film and now the live interaction of the the duffel bag on the table. Mm. Um, so that's cool. Um, one thing, one of my favorite points is just an Easter egg. It's not even an Easter egg. It's pretty blatant. Uh, during a battle uh, with Red Hood, he makes a statement. Um, you know the tune, outgunned, outmanned, and quotes Hamilton. Uh, I was watching it with my older two kids and, you know, giving them the dad out of stuff. And when, like, in the middle of a bad Red Hood quotes Hamilton, I'm like, where are we at in life? So, Titans is out. (laughs) Um, They just announced that Shang-Chi and Free Guy will not stream. 
They will only be theaters. So this is our Marvel. Marvel said they're putting their stake back in the ground. So okay, Shang-Chi won't stream. So that's our, going to be our first official Marvel not streaming thing. And Suicide Squad dropped. Did you get a chance to watch that? Uh, I'm a bad human being and no. Okay. Uh, Suicide Squad dropped on HBO Max and in theaters. Um, I've watched it a few times. <laughs> um, it's delightful. And you can tell that Idris Elba is having the time of his life. Just throw that out there. Um, it's good to know. Just having a ball. Um, they did exactly what I expected to happen in terms of the big team and everything like that. But just to leave that out there. But uh, John Cena and Idris <laughs> Elba. Huh? No, I know what you meant there. That's what I'm laughing at. Yeah. Um, John Cena and Idris Elba kind of run the show. Harley Quinn's performance is way better as terms of more depth of Harley. It's less bubblegum and you actually had some room to run. And uh, there's a moment where she's saying something dark that actually gives me like the heebie-jeebies. Like, I would be afraid for my life, but it's also cute. Um, <laughs> all that being said, uh, polka dot man steals the show for me. Words that should f- never occur, <laughs> but it happened. I, I got that feeling from the trailer, so I'm looking forward to that being true. Like I have a polka dot man action figure for real. Um, nerd, nerd. Well, I had to do the King shark build a figure. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, so that's totally a thing. Um, and if you nerds, uh, just be warned, uh, the language is super heavy. Um, <laughs> like, super duper heavy. But, uh, yeah, and Sylvester Stallone as King Shark was kind of delightful. Um, just, yeah, oddly enough. And there's a couple hidden guardians in the film. Or um, cameoed guardians. But, yeah. That's it. Okay. That's for the people that don't know about shipping and distribution. Those are also things that happened. Go. <laughs> Those are things that happened. And uh, hopefully all of you celebrate free comic book day, which will have been the weekend before you hear this in your ears, but is after when we're recording it. Should have signposted that for you guys last week, but just hopefully you'll be able to catch your comic book stores. The free comic book day did happen. It wasn't in May. COVID's a thing. Here we are. Um, and that is what you need to know. And so as always, you can join in on this conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord or in the Facebook community. And let's just go on that geeky adventure together. There's all kinds of crazy, awesome stuff going on around us right now. Like we are bathing in pop culture, it feels like. Um, so tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed, because just as noted there, there's a lot going on. Oh, and what if started? Oh, yeah, and What F came out, and it was truly delightful as well. Go Peggy. Um, we have and Peggy. all kinds of stuff. And Peggy. <laughs> and our Hamilton reference is in. We can move on. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. Let's get to the main event.
let's see. Hector, people come here for the reads and for what's in each of our long boxes. So how about we set the folks up for uh, what you've been reading and what you think others should read as well? All right. uh, Just some blanket things to throw out because there's a lot to squeeze onto my list. Um, Mm -hmm. I've caught up in Red Carmen, all five issues. Um, That ended up being more pleasant than I thought it was going to be. And uh, a little more warm and fuzzy than I anticipated. Um, It was definitely worth the read, and there's only five issues. So, yeah. If you can handle, like, French period nudity, you know. (laughs) Which means everything all the time. But, yeah, just kind of, like, hanging out there, but not in a, you know, provocative way or anything. Just, like, there's a naked person. Um, It was really good. Um, Also, uh, caught up, or I'm up to date with Joker. And uh, Joker is still continuing to be a delightful book. I think it's the best version of Jim Gordon we've got since... Um, Batman Year One. Um, yeah, can we just say as an aside for a moment, his conversation with Harvey in the latest one just like gave me all of the vibes between the two of them. Oh yeah, dude, I was I loved it so much because Harvey being like super gritty and Jim like being his thing, and him being like, I really need you, you know, you're the guy and everything. And Harvey's like, oh, I don't know, man. And Jim's like, cool, I'll double your rate. And he's like, oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, as long as you're cool taking credit, because the setup being that he literally has a black card for his Get Joker adventure. And I just thought that whole conversation was great. It was. And I straight up miss the animated series era. Yeah. Bullock and Gordon. Um, yep. So Joker is continuing to be wonderful. Something finally happened in Strange Adventures. Um, it it narrowly. Wait, wait. Did I put that on my poll? Yeah, you I did. did. Mm-hmm. I was, well, you know what? I'm gonna jump in there then. Um, yeah, I was like, I didn't remember if that was and the stuff that didn't make it or did make it. Um, but uh, Strange Adventures number eleven, we finally get where this long drawn out story is. There's a point and a climax and things happened. And I actually am like, oh boy, can't wait for the next issue. And I'm like, oh, haven't said that for 10 issues. Um, <laughs> womp, 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 womp. It's Tom King storytelling. And I like Tom King storytelling, but I'm telling you, dude, he has had his foot on the brake this whole book. And which is still better than Rorschach, which has been in neutral for the whole book. Um, can I be super honest that I legit stopped reading both of them? Yeah. And you should. I mean, honestly, dude, I'm doing it for the simple fact that it's Tom King and uh, I've already invested this much into it. I'm I'm a Tom King supporter. And so I'm reading these That's fair. books. But man, Rorschach has been hot buttered boring. Yeah, I have Rorschach tattooed on my body, as Hector well knows. And some of you do as well, because... It was one of my first pieces of ink, and I just couldn't. <laughs> I was like, this isn't getting anywhere. So. It's not getting – well, I mean, <sighs> the whole thing is, like, leading up – it's Reservoir Dogs in terms of right. the, the right. delivery. Right. Um, And then, like, it's all these different people being Rorschach and all this different stuff. But, like, uh, the fact that Frank Miller is a 
canon character and that he's part of the conspiracy. Still is like, what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> run that by me one more time. Also, this makes perfect sense, but what? <laughs> yeah, like Frank Miller is a is a character and he's part of the conspiracy. Just like yep. uh, Robert Redford's president, Frank Miller mm-hmm. is part of the conspiracy. I'm just like, what's happening? But anyway, um, <laughs> Strange Adventures number 11. Uh, and t- it's actually 10 and 11. 10 was like, say what now? Um, like the whole thing is, if you didn't read Strange Adventures or you just gave up like Chris, um, the whole premise is uh, Adam Strange is acute or is ba- is being investigated by the Justice League for some crimes that may have committed in space or something. Rough, yeah, rough uh, space war space war crimes. Space war crimes. And he's investigated by Mr. Terrific um, alongside Batman here and there. Well, uh, I think it's pretty clear to the team that they're not going to be able to get to Adam, honestly. Um, so issue 10 basically wraps up with Mr. Terrific sending the full gritty truth about Adam's actions to his wife instead of to him. Mm. And there's a big plot twist into what he's been doing and like how their stories played out and some things he's not been honest about. Um, And so issue 11 is straight up, just his wife confronting him about the crap he's been hiding. And it literally issue 11 reads like a really uncomfortable Thanksgiving conversation. Oof. But really well done and pretty. Um, <laughs> and it ends, and I'm just, just going to say this because, you know, to give you the classic comics uh, cliffhanger, it ends with someone bleeding out on the floor. Drama. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hi-oh. Yeah. I mean, so, like, you could literally, okay, just point in case. Uh, if you take the idea that Adam Strange has been investigated, you can pick up issue 10 and finish the story and be fine. You can skip, <laughs> you can legitimately okay. skip the other nine issues of this story and just pick up 10, 11, and 12 and get the full gamut of the story. Okay. So there's that. Um also uh My Hero Academia Volume 28, um which is the current most recent uh manga in print form that you can get from My Hero. And I'll just say, and I think this is the one that has a Jim Lee cover, which by the way is fun. Um like it has a Jim Lee variant cover, which is the first time we're getting like Jim Lee branching into the manga world in this way. I'm down for that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And which him drawing these characters in a realistic fashion is kind of creepy. Um, like Shigaraki in Jim Lee's hands is terrifying. Um, but that being said, it's man, the book just goes well. And I, you know, some people you know kind of get lost with some of the filler things like the music festival and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, the book goes great. And um, I didn't re- realize there's a third movie that's about to drop this week. So some more news. Oh, dang. I missed that. Yeah, there's a third movie dropping, like, Tuesday. If it's not already out. 
Um, I do feel like those movies sneak up on us, so fair point. Yeah. Um, but I also haven't watched this season of television with it either. So, like, I'm behind on the TV aspect. I've read all the books, but um, either way, uh, it's just really well. And there's, um, man, there's some a really dope. Oh, let's see. Hold on. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, the fan, the poops officially hit the fan in every aspect. And, um, mm-hmm. Shigaraki is at power never imagined. Hmm. And like it's destruction we've never seen on this level of in any version of these stories. And he's hunting Deku. And there's just this beautiful interaction with Deku and Kachan or Bakugo um, where they're standing side by side with each other. And he's like, look, I'm the only one that actually knows what's going on with you, your body and your powers. I'm not leaving you. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> and it's oh King murder explosion. Oh, uh, yeah, it was really sweet. And, but then also it's like, um, <laughs> Deku's like, follow me. He's like, follow you. What do you think? You're the main character. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just wait um wait <laughs> but I'll, I'll say that volume 28 has been just really dope uh 29 comes out uh just after labor day but um from what i see and from what i understand there's not much left of the story um mm. like uh this looks like it's gonna go the way of uh attack on titan and end in the early 30s so realistically the story of my hero could be done by the end of 2021, if not mid 2022 in print. Oh, um, but I'm just saying get like, uh, if you are, if you're a fan of the show or if you're a fan of the manga, keep reading. If you're a fan of the show, you literally can pick up whatever manga picks up after the season you're on, because they follow pretty closely. There are some extra episodes in the show. Um, but you can pick up the story in manga form and just keep rolling. Um, but my hero academia volume 28 was, it was just refreshing because I've been, I've been finishing attack on Titan. I just finished demon slayer and I pick up my hero and it's like, you're delightful. Um, (laughs) or I pick up my hero academia and I'm like, you're delightful. Um, so past all that, uh, nice house on the lake. Number three, um, Last time I did number one, I I literally had to go to four shops to find issue two in print. Um, and the shop marked it up to $9. Which <laughs> sucked. Um, mm. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I got it. Um, issue two was actually really, really dope. Um, but it's, uh, I mentioned before that it's the world ends and these eight, nine people who, however many are in there are stuck in a mansion on a lake in a dome. And they have all the resources they'll need for the rest of their lives and all the entertainment. And plus the mansion is basically built specifically for them. Like not only does this a nice house on the lake, this house is literally built to cater and, for lack of a better terms, minister to their needs for the mm. rest of their lives. 
and their friend Walter, who is responsible for the world ending, is like low-key speaking to a few of them here and there, trying to make sure they're taken care of. And he's even giving them a schedule to follow so that they don't like crack. And it's okay. And you know, some people are not accepting any of this well. Some people are like, you know what? This is what life is now. Cool. What movie are we watching? Like, there's literally a, co- <laughs> a, a conversation over breakfast of like, okay, which Disney movie? You're crazy. We got to get out of here. I mean, it's like, it's that. Um, the art is wonderful. Um, it's a suspenseful story. Literally don't know what's happening page to page uh, as far as like speculation. So freaking read this book. Uh, it's only three issues so far. Um, it's and it's Tinian again, isn't it? Man, I meant like dude swinging for the fences. So like the idea of him leaving for Substack is, you know, kind of sad, but I'm really grateful for the stories he's told phrases. I wouldn't have said two years ago. Um, but yeah, um, house on the lake, number, the nice house on the lake number three, it's straight up delightful. And, um, in its own horrifying sense, um, one crazy thing that, uh, happened or popped up is that there is a stone that's part of where they're staying that actually, if they touch it, they can see the chaos that's happening in the world. Interesting. So, like, if you were to, like, because where are you from? Like, what's your region of origin? <laughs> oh, originally I'm from Vermont, so, like, New England. Okay, some like that. Or Raleigh, or is where you've lived in Raleigh, you've lived there. Like, right. literally, if you touched the stone, you would see, like, your specific neighborhood of Vermont burning. Oops. Or Raleigh, <laughs> or Columbus, or wherever you're at. And so these people, like, that Sorry, are, Sorry, like, Mom. Like, yeah, it's pretty horrifying. But, like, most of the people won't touch it. (laughs) And, um... Yeah, I mean, if you've been told up front... (laughs) (laughs) If you you don't want to see your dog as, you know, barbecue, don't. Um, Aw, that's not cool. But, like, for one of the people that uh, is, like, a problem solver or whatever else, they legitimately built a, like, a whole clue mansion mystery thing just to occupy them. So it's just, like... Man, what's happening? Um, but you're getting backstory okay. too throughout issue two and three of them actually leading up to how they got there. It's just really well crafted. All right, so that's uh the nice house on the lake number two and three for that. Um, and I had a different book for my fourth pick, but like I read it as we were preparing for this. Um, Azarello is not my favorite writer. Um, a lot of times I feel like he goes for grit over substance. Um, and he says stuff like Azarello picture reminds me of the kid in like big leg jeans outside of high school smoking to make sure, you know, he looks tough. (laughs) Broody boy, broody boy. Like I'm broody boy. I've got one black fingernail. I mean, it's like, you know, some eyeliner (laughs) and I smoke way too much and there's vodka in my water bottle. That's what I get. For Azarello's writing, normally, um, but there's a Suicide a Suicide Squad get Joker, and I'll say this: it's not the best Suicide Squad book, and it's not the best Red Hood book. Although I can't even tell you what the best Red Hood book is right now because there's so many. Um, again, <laughs> phrases I wouldn't have said two years ago. Um, yep. 
but basically Jason Todd has just come back from the dead. He's alive. The Bat family's not in his life, and he gets put on the Suicide Squad, um, specifically for the mission to hunt the Joker. Some of the dialogue in it is some of the best tongue-in-cheek, this shouldn't be written this well to be a Suicide Squad book, book. Um, and some of the originality of the plot twist that happened in the first issue alone are like, I legit couldn't have predicted this and it's fun to read. Um, like to the point of you get the Joker enacting a classic film while singing Millie Vanilli. I'm gonna leave it there. Your polls, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and do and do with that information what you will, loyal listener. As you were going through it, I'm like, yep, uh, I missed that book somehow. So clearly need to pick that one up. So yeah, let let's talk about the randomness on the other side of of comics for a while. And uh, I'm being super unoriginal. So congratulations, uh, Daredevil number thirty three. If you're not reading Daredevil, I'm failing at my job of talking about this series but there's we are still with Matt Murdock Daredevil in prison um he's in the middle of a riot and it looks like we're going to live in this riot for a while <laughs> um so we're playing those pieces out meanwhile Elektra is on the outside dealing with what we now know to be multiple cloned versions of Bullseye so thanks Marvel for that as well um if you didn't know that you needed the clone conspiracy to be occurring in a Daredevil book, well, congrats. We're kind of doing the same thing, but not. Because so, yeah. clone conspiracies <laughs> always go well for Marvel books. Right. And, you know, putting the words clone and conspiracy in a Marvel title always works out well. Well, here we are. But anyway, um, so Elektra's still trying to maintain order outside, but more than one Bullseye's bad because Bullseye has been pretty – is pretty gnarly uh, – villain in general and you know one of them kind of gets the drop on her and i'm sorry i'm spoiling all kinds of stuff because it's a very marvel thing and you've been warned and i i just want to say these things because she gets saved by some other heroes and let's just say iron man is not a set of words i ever thought i would utter in a daredevil story like daredevil showing up in avengers stuff and other things sure but Iron Man, I mean, I'm sure it's probably happened before, but at least in the last five plus years, his best buddy Spidey being like, you should stop beating people. It's bad. Well, Spider-Man literally beats the crap out of people all the time. Um, Seeing Tony Stark in the middle of a Daredevil book was like, okay, I'm paying attention. Don't mess this up, though, okay? (laughs) Don't don't give me Iron Man and Spidey helping Elektra while Daredevil's in prison. Don't mess this up, Chip. And so far, I'm pretty confident he's not. Because on the absolute opposite side of the same thing, he's giving us this really weird relationship between Fisk um, and Mary. And it's been subtle up to this point, and now you know that it's not subtle anymore. And you're just like, what on earth is going on in this book? And slow clap, Chip Sadarsky. Um, So for me... Daredevil is still like a, if you're not reading it, then you're missing the best part of Marvel right now. Not sorry for that. Um, if they don't get out of this prison thing soon, I don't know that it'll still be the best part of Marvel. That is definitely probably a true statement. Is That's why I said it feels like we're, we're camping out in this prison thing, but hopefully we're getting to 
the the culmination of this arc because yeah, otherwise but there's a lot going on. All this being said, it's still <laughs> it still is to me the best book in Marvel. Go on. Yep. Not sorry. Um, meanwhile, over at Boom, who continues to just do great work, Seven Secrets is now up to number eleven. This is another book that I've probably mentioned almost every time it's come out, and. It's just action-packed, it's fast-moving, it's very pretty, and it's kind of this unique story of the fact that there are these seven secrets of the world and that there is this order of keepers that literally are partners where one keeps the secret and one is the defender type uh, person, but they're both responsible for descending, defending the secrets. And you're slowly finding out that the secrets are, you know, like true secrets of the entire world and and control and all this type of stuff. So it's a fun story. It's very beautiful um, because I just appreciate books that are have a unique um, drawing style to them. And this is lots of color, very interesting characters, but the pace of the book is very fast and I'm digging it. So you should be reading that. Um, and then over to Dark Horse, I love me some Hellboy in the BPRD and the last mini that they did, because that's kind of what they're doing with Hellboy right now is as they get a story, they piece together a onesie twosie here and there because mainline Hellboy ended. Um, Creator just, I think, wanted more time to tell independent stories on his time and that's what we get. So the last one is Hellboy in the BPRD, The Secret of Chessbro House. And it, it... the all Hellboy books are designed to be this occult slash scary story type investigation of the paranormal. That's what the BPRD does, right? And you, then you send Hellboy, and he's your levity in the middle of absolute insanity and like spooky stuff. But there's this level of humor that plays through it. And this book, these two books, just played that out super well. And because it feels like a weird. Um, recommendation coming from somebody that's a pastor and stuff like that. But Hellboy always has had so much heart um, because he's literally the opposite of what he was intended to be, a force of evil and become a force of good. Um, but that they just tell these really crazy spooky stories. And I think we can appreciate um, spooky stories when they're told and told well, and they just do that. So if you need to get your spoop on, um, Hellboy and the BPRD stuff is always good while it comes out. And then finally, I wanted to do something kind of weird and talk about Batman mainline because I've said so many wonderful things about Tinian, but Batman 111, latest Batman book. I don't hate the level of pace that is currently going on in the book. I think, um, where the story currently is has a lot of heart. It still is the most nineties comic book that is being written in 2021. Um, but at the same time now through the lens of Tinian being kind of annoyed with DC and what he's had to do, you kind of look at the story and go, yeah, I can kind of see why maybe he doesn't love this because the Batman story is literally in the middle of it is future state. It's whatever current continuity is supposed to be and has glimpses of something that is about to come. Except it's also kind of being insinuated that none of this matters 
because of the way of how DC is talking about continuity right now. And so though I'm enjoying how the new Bat family, and that's the other thing is Bat, the main Batman book doesn't feel like a Batman book anymore. It feels more like what Detective had become maybe a year ago because I almost feel like Batman's not part of this at all, <laughs> um, which feels more like Detective than it does the mainline book because it's literally everyone else. Like Harley's basically a new Robin, for lack of a better term, and they're basically considering her that in current mainline, and that feels weird. Um the ghost dude is still chilling as like an equal, but separate. We actually have Oracle being Oracle, which is fine. <laughs> like dig that. It's just a strange feeling book to me right now. And I don't know where to put it. So I put it on my pull list so I could say all of that and let folks read it and tell us what, what do you think is going on in Batman right now? Um, because I managed to love and hate the last issue at the same time. Yeah. That's why I didn't make it to my list. I was like, there's good parts of this, but it also feels like you're still trying to shoehorn the future state to the point that you don't let a good story tell out. Right. Like we're, we're trying to unfold all these new characters. Um, the peacemaker program, we're still dragging along the a day events. Um, we're still shoehorning in the new mayor, which shows us that the magistrate is now a thing. And everything. And I'm like, okay, these are all the pieces of something that we were told wasn't going to be a thing, but is clearly a thing. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Maybe it's all just crane and in the fear state. Womp womp. No. Yeah. Anyway. So Batman's weird. So Batman fans, get out there, read it. Tell us, tell us what we're, what we're missing, or if you agree, um, hit us up because I, I think I want to have this conversation now. That's why I put it um, for my stuff. This week in nerdy news, this is LTNN. A new set of photos for the upcoming Disney Plus exclusive movie, Muppets Haunted Mansion, was released last week by Entertainment Weekly. One photo features Miss Piggy dressed up as Kermit, and Kermit dressed up as Miss Piggy, so I guess that toxic relationship is still a thing. Marvel's new animated MCU series, What If, premiered last Wednesday with an episode featuring one slight change to the original Captain America movie story that rippled out into an entirely different outcome, where Peggy Carter became the super soldier instead of Steve Rogers. A second promotional poster has been released showcasing a zombie apocalypse Avengers situation. Oh boy, forget shawarma. We're eating brains tonight. And lastly, the first official trailer for Why the Last Man was released last week, showing the day that all men die except for one, Yorick Brown. This story follows an extremely popular comic series where the world's women find themselves struggling to rebuild and find the answers around the sudden immediate death of all men on Earth. We're going to call it right now, though. It's probably not going to give you the warm fuzzies that you think it would. That was This Week in Nerdy News. I'm Radio Matt, and this is LTNN. Let's wrap it up with a couple number ones for folks to pick up. Something that I am truly excited about. I'm happy to jump right in. 
on this. And my number one is the unbelievable unteens number one. And honestly, I didn't think this was going to be my thing, but I try to read number ones when they come out. It's a book from Dark Horse. Uh, Jeff Lemire and Tyler Crook um, have brought together this thing. So Lemire is not drawing this book. He's writing it. Um, so it's in in Tyler's pen, and it's it's pretty. It It's pretty neat. I dig the colors and everything going on in this book. But the story of this book is about a comic book creator. Like literally you meet this character at a convention, you know, signing and doing the the photos and everything. And the prototypical creator of overworking, behind on pages. And it's like, oh, I appreciate all these things. But you hit the end of the first book. And because it's a setup book, I don't feel bad telling you this. And she does a book called The Unteens. And it's kind of a... Honestly, it is an Umbrella Academy because they go through the process of who the unteens are. And it's this rich dude that creates a mansion and organization of these strangely gifted teenagers. Yeah, it's like, have I read this before? (laughs) Um, But I don't hate it because I'm pretty sure that's being done on purpose. But the twist is she thinks, you know, she passed out from working too hard on her pages towards the end of this book. And one of her characters approaches her, except she realizes she's not asleep. She's awake. This, this thing is real. And the character's talking to her like she's one of the other members of the unteens. And she's like, no, 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 no. I created you. And he's like, no, 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 <laughs> not fam. You wrote the comics because you lived them. And so the unfolding of this whole thing is By the end of the first book, she's starting to come to terms with the reality of she's writing a comic about things she lived through, but she had been repressing somehow or something occurred that she lost her memory. We don't know that part of the comic book yet, but she's now been introduced to one of the other members of the team. And the other part is the event that ends the team has already occurred And they kind of allude to the, how is the story going to end? And she's like, oh, I know, but I don't know if I'll do it. And this dude's like, well, of course you know how it ends. It ended that way. And she's like, no, nope, nope, that that was bad. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it was. So I'm I'm in. It's kind of a really goofy um, concept, but I was like, I kind of dig this, that, okay, you're part of the Umbrella Academy, but like lost all of your memories and then you started writing a comic book thinking you're super creative, but it's actually your PTSD working out what occurred <laughs> um, in real life and now you are being drawn back into it. So, okay, I'm in. Well done. What you got? Oh, for me, what do I have? I thought that was yeah, the, for, yeah. what you were saying about nope, the book. That's it. Um, For me, it's... uh, And is that image? I didn't remember actually pay attention. Uh, yeah, that's Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. Um The Me You Love in the Dark number 1. Uh by Scotty Young, visually beautiful. Um but it's Scotty's story. And the short and long of it is there's an artist who is renting a house to find her muse and start painting again. Like she's on loan from a uh place that uh 
told her, get out of here, go get your groove back and start painting again because we're waiting on your next big piece. So mm-hmm. she goes and finds a little cottage or something just to, you know, give off vibes where she can channel herself. And they tell her when she's renting the house, oh, it's haunted, by the way. Ha ha. And so she's like, so she just talks to herself like, you know, she's talking to the haunted house. One of my favorite things is just the beautiful visual of um, it's a dusty old house and there's a record player. And one of the visuals in the storyline is the sound of the old dusty record player just wafting around her through everything she's doing. So the sound of the record is a visual storyteller, which is just kind of beautiful. And, uh, but she's talking to the air quotes haunted house the entire time and dealing with frustration, bitterness, all this stuff. And then, uh, at the end of, she's like, man, if you're going to haunt my house, maybe you could at least turn the record player on for me and pour me some wine. (laughs) Ha ha. And then, uh, the next morning she gets up and the record player's on and there's wine poured. And then, like, in through some of the shadows, you see, like, phantom hands, like, trying to pick up paint and stuff. And the the culmination of it is uh, her house is actually haunted. And there's a ghost living there. And it wants to be her friend and help her with her art. Um, but it's also super creepy. So I don't know what that does for you. If you were in a place that you found out that your house was being haunted just so you could, you know, create art, you know, that's its own thing. Dang. Yeah. So I like it's beautiful. The visual aesthetic of it is great. Um, But the reality is like a woman going into a cabin to find isolation, jokingly thinking her house is haunted. And then in terms, finding out her house is actually haunted. And the ghost is trying to establish a relationship. So, (laughs) Oh my. Yeah. So I would say, you know, it's, it's cute. I don't know what's with me on these like quaint little horror kicks lately, but it's been a thing. So, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, just the visual of it, but the, the visual of the sound of the record player being a visual component of the sound lofting around the character as she's working throughout the whole story. Uh, it's almost like the sound off the record player is a ghost itself, but it's just beautiful. So, Oh man. Um, absolutely. Um, the me you love in the dark. Um, number one, I will be picking that up. And, uh, and I didn't mention it just in the rest of my stuff, but also, um, Homesick Pilots is still dope. Um, we're at the point of ghost kaijus. Carry on. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, all of our recommendations on that source are kind of like that random kind of spooky but interesting vibe. So, good. We did it. And I love it when comics do that, though. It's just interesting stories that kind of draw you in when you think it might not be something you're into. So, ah. Enjoy. Pick those up. Tell us what you guys think. But that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 56 is in the books and now in your ears. Hector and I want to thank each and every one of you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more because podcasts are everywhere these days. But thanks for listening. Remember, kids, read more comics. The game of risk. The battle of 
master of epic duel. I can feel your 